Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Six-time Tony Award-winning singer and actress Audra McDonald is headed to St. Louis this weekend. Her concert featuring songs from the American Music Theater is Sunday evening at the Two Hill Performing Arts Center. This morning, she spoke with one of our producers, Evie Hemphill, about that appearance. Audra, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today for St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. Your incredible career as a singer and actress really runs the gamut from Broadway to film and TV, but I'd like to begin with your many contributions to musical theater. What would you say really prompted your love for singing and for the stage in the first place? I had always loved singing and dancing, and I sang with my church choir when I was young, when I was little, And um, but I, I had some issues with hyperactivity. I was a very hyperactive child, and a psychiatrist had recommended to my parents that they put me on Ritalin, and my parents were a bit reticent to do that. And one night they went out to a local dinner theater to see a, a musical, and they saw that there was a group of kids that performed before the musical. They did their sort of own, their little pre-show cabaret, and my parents said a light went off in their head, and they said, you know, maybe that's the right thing for Audra. Maybe that would help her with her hyperactivity. And um, so I, they encouraged me to audition, and I did, and I got in. And I, I, I found my tribe. I found you know, what I love to do. And um, that was 39 years ago, and I've been on the stage ever since. Wow. How have you seen the theater industry evolve during your time as a performer? Um, Well, it's certainly, um, I think the theater has always been diverse, but I think in terms of, you know, high high profile productions have become more diverse. I think there's been... um, I think there has been more opportunities that have come up for for um, for people of of color to participate uh, in theater in ways that weren't there before. Certainly, when I first uh, sort of broke in um, to the business, in terms of you know you see um, more non traditional casting and um, just more um, represent representation um, in the work that you see you know on Broadway, you know, and and we've got. You know, phenomenons like Hamilton and whatnot, yeah. that just, whatnot that just continue to sort of, um, you know, you know, push the boundaries, break the boundaries, and um, uh, lead to more inclusion, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, I'm in awe of just the sheer workload and pace that surely comes with live performance. Um, how do you maintain your energy and voice well beyond opening night and that kind of thing? Um, it's a difficult thing to do. It's a very difficult thing to, to, to do. I find that um, it's sort of like you're training for the Olympics, you know, the entire time that you're doing, um, you know, or, you know, if you were a football player or a baseball player, or especially, I think more like baseball players, because they have, they have mm-hmm. I was going to say shows every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but they've got games almost every day once their season is up and going in the way that maybe um, uh, basketball players have as well. I mean, I'm not saying that football isn't difficult. It is, you know, but they they do one game a week, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so you live a very monastic life. You know, as a, as a, if you're doing a musical or even a play, you have to make sure that you're you're well rested, that you're that you that you are warming up, that you are doing all your vocal exercises and your and your physical exercises, so that you don't injure yourself. Um, and so your entire day, every single day, is about, you know, I've got to keep my body and my health in optimal shape so that I can do the show because our bodies are our instruments, you know. Right. So it's, 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 
it's not a glamorous life by any stretch of the imagination, and it takes a lot of discipline. Um, it really does. You know, there's not a lot of talking during the day. There's not a lot of going out and partying like you. Well, certainly not anymore. <laughs> the older you get, you know, after a show or something like that, you can't. You know, I I don't drink. You know, obviously I don't smoke or anything like that. You know, you just have to stay very very careful, very very quiet, and keep your body in optimal shape. And on top of that, you you have two daughters, right, Zoe and Sally. I do. I also have two stepsons who are um, uh-huh. 17 and 14. So we've, and my oldest is 17. So we've got three teenagers and an 18-month-old in the house. <laughs> oh, how has that impacted your, your daily life? Well, there's been no sleep since the day Sally was born, basically, <laughs> 18 months ago. She does not sleep through the night still. Um, she's just got too too much in her, too much to say, mm-hmm. too much partying to do, whether it be at 3 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Um, so, um, you know, there's, there's exhaustion, but there's joy, um, as well. And, you know, the wonderful thing about children, I, for me anyway, I found is that they force you to live in the moment, which is something that's key that you absolutely need as an actor. You need to be very present in the moment in order to be spontaneous on stage. And children force that on you on a moment to moment basis because they know no other way to live. And, um, and then also, yeah, you know, just my depth of emotion knows no bounds now you know mm. just don't think that your heart could be pulled into the places that the child will pull your heart <laughs> <laughs> well so certainly the last year or two have been especially full it sounds like um yes. along with that your role in the 2017 remake of beauty and the beast what drew you to the role portraying madame garderobe Oh, I mean, you know, I didn't even have to think about it. You know, I, I love Bill Condon. I love his work. Um, Beauty and the Beast was certainly um, a musical and movie, you know, that I saw 20-some-odd years ago when it first came out. And um, I was so very just honored when they asked me. You know, it's a dream come true to be asked to be a part of a Disney film, you know. So that there was there was literally a millisecond of thought into will I do this or not it was just like do you want to be in our production of Beauty and the Buh and I was like yes you know, I, didn't even, I didn't even know what they were going to yeah. ask me to do and I had already said yes so um and playing this you know you know diva operatic um piece of furniture was a lot of fun and um you know I it, it, you know you just get to you get to it's really the truest essence of make-believe, you know, and so you feel like you're, I feel like a kid in a candy store as I was uh, participating in the, in, um, the filming. Well, let's listen to a little bit of the aria scene from that film.
did did that role in particular take you back to your classical training at all at Juilliard? It absolutely did. Yeah, uh, you know, I in, 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 when my time at Juilliard was fraught because even though I was there and I was studying classical music, I didn't want to be an opera singer. I wanted to be on Broadway, so I was very torn during my years at Juilliard. But um, you know, as my career progressed from there, I realized just how important those years at Juilliard were. Um, they helped me to discover that I had a classical voice, and without that training, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to play, portray roles like um, uh, Sharon in Masterclass, nor would I have had the chance to be the garderobe in um, mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, because you know, it absolutely relied on a classical sound. And um, so in some ways, it just uh, uh, reiterated to me and, uh, that uh, sometimes you don't realize that you're on your path. Um, when you're on your, when you absolutely are on your path, sometimes you feel like you've gone way off of your path, as I did when I was at Juilliard. And then, you know, like my fourth day on set at Beauty and the Beast, I was like, oh my gosh, I was absolutely on my path then. And thank God I learned how to sing classically. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had this opportunity. You also recently played Billie Holiday in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. What was that like? Um, it was. Uh, you know, an, an, an honor as well. In fact, someone was asking me about this last night. I was having dinner with some friends, and one of them was saying, what was it like? Was it Did it cost you, you know, mm-hmm. something to play that role? And I said, no. It, you know, it was very difficult and, and emotional and draining to, you know, to portray that woman and to put on that, that character and that life every night. But it was also an honor, and I felt as if, I mean, this may sound a little wild, but I felt as if, you know, she or somebody was handing me the torch and saying, here, keep it lit and shine the light about who I was for everybody to see that you that you are being, you know, given that responsibility. So I I, I, I took that work very seriously and I considered it an honor every night to get out there and, and portray this woman. Let's listen to a short clip from your performance of the song God Bless the Child in that production. Name that's God shall have them that's not shall lose so the bible says and it still is news mama may have papa may have but God bless the child that's got his own. That's got his own. Yes, the strong gets more while the weak runs fair. Empty pockets don't ever make the Mama may have, Papa may have, but God bless the child, bless God his own. Can you talk a little bit about the challenge of preparing to sing as someone whose voice was very distinctive from your own in that role? Yes, it was a challenge trying to figure out how to sound exactly like her and not like me. I have a very distinct voice as well, and I didn't want any sort of inkling of my own voice to slip into my portrayal of Billy, um, because that would have been distracting. I think if maybe this had 
been the first role I ever done, maybe I could have gotten away with some of my own voice slipping in. But because people know what my voice sounds like, any inkling of an Audrey McDonald sound would have, Mm. I think, really, really been wrong. So um, I studied as if it were, you know, my my doctoral thesis. You know, I studied everything I could Mm. about her. I listened to every recording. I listened to audio tapes of her speaking. I watched interview clips. I talked to people who knew her. Um, every night before I went on stage, I would listen to audio clips of her speaking and singing. And then one day I discovered in rehearsal that she had a speaking voice very similar to my grandmother. And I used to imitate my grandmother a lot to her face, <laughs> <laughs> which sometimes she would giggle and other times she'd say, stop that. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I used to do it. And I realized, oh, my goodness, she sounds like my Nana. And I know how to talk like my Nana. So that was my way into finding Billy's voice, Hmm. was through my grandmother. Another role that struck me as perhaps particularly challenging, um, looking back at your career, uh, was the NBC The Sound of Music Live. Uh, What Mm -hmm. what do you make of kind of that hybrid of stage and TV uh, from your experience working on that? I think it's wonderful that they've, you know, that they've sort of brought back this uh, tradition of doing my musicals on television. You know, I think, you know, it, it was a tradition that had dated back, you know, over 50 years to when they did Peter Pan um, live on television. And um, a lot of people can't get to the theater. A lot of people, you know, can't get to Broadway or, you know, you know, if, there, or if there's any theater in their, their, their town, you know, that, that remains to be seen. So um, television is something pretty much everyone has. And so... It's wonderful to be able to um, then bring a medium that not necessarily everybody can get to into their home. Mm. And so I was excited and thrilled by the prospect. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult to do. And there is, you know, there is the aspect of when you're doing a a live musical. I mean, now, like with with, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, which they just did. And I think also when they did Hairspray, um, there were... uh, they decided to bring a live audience in there. And I think that's helpful. When we first did Sound of Music live, they didn't have um, an actual studio audience in there. So there, it, it was a little bit odd to do these huge musical numbers and then finish in just silence. Mm-hmm. You know, that was very odd for us. So we had no idea, you know, uh, how it was being, you know, how it was playing. Um, uh, so that made it difficult, and I think uh, the producers and the creators realized that, and they remedied that that situation. But you know, Sound of, Sound of Music was the first one out after 50 years, so um, mm. in some in some ways we were the guinea pig, you know, to see if this, this um, experiment would work. Yeah. Well, Carrie Underwood has described you as someone who is, among other things, quote, never afraid to stand up for what she believes, unquote. Tell me a little bit about how you strive to speak out about issues that matter most to you. Well, you know, I, I just, you know, as a parent, I want, I want to raise children that are good citizens of the world, you know, um, not just good American citizens, but I want them to be, you know, good, good citizens of the human race. And, and, um, and, and I, they are aware that they come from, you know, a, a, a bit of privilege and with privilege comes responsibility to take care of your fellow man and those less fortunate than you. And um, I'm also a child who is a benefit of a benefactor of the uh, civil rights movement. Had there not been a civil rights movement, I, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I would not mm-hmm. have had the opportunities that I've had. I wouldn't be allowed to be married to my husband, for goodness sake, because he's Caucasian. Mm-hmm. 
So um, it just seems like a no-brainer that I, I would need, I, I would have to, um, not have to, but it just felt like the right thing to do is to speak out, you know, for those who, who, who either cannot speak out for themselves or who need help, need our voices to help amplify, you know, issues, you know, such as, you know, the way we, we treat our LGBTQ community or, you know, I'm also on the international board of directors for the Covenant House, which is, you know, which serves homeless youth throughout the country and in Canada and in Latin America. Um, I just feel that these are um, important issues and important times that uh, we need to speak out and remember our humanity and be there for everybody. So it just feels like a no-brainer for me. You have quite the following on Twitter, too, I've noticed, um, and <laughs> interspersed with comments about current events and issues are the occasional hashtag mom of the year type tweets. Uh, the <laughs> other day, I think you had one that said, just walked in the laundry room to find the baby drinking out of the dog's water bowl. How's your day going? <laughs> um, it made me smile and, and also made me curious about your take on the power of social media when it comes to all of this. Well, we, we've seen, you know, how powerful social media can be, you know, and it can be used for good and it can be used for ill. You mm. know, I mean, we social media was sort of responsible for the Arab Spring, you know, um, one of the, the, the factors. You know, behind the Arab Spring, uh, you know, we see it with our president who, you know, who tweets out policy, you know, and um, so it's a very powerful and, we, you know, we see it in terms of what happened with the election and how it was used and weaponized to, you know, you know, affect people's thoughts and, and spread disinformation and whatnot. So it's a very powerful, powerful tool. And um, uh, so... Uh, and, you know, again, as a, as a parent, you know, I, I, I stress all the time to the kids that, you know, it, it's forever. Anything you put out there is forever. Mm-hmm. So be very wise about what mm-hmm. you put out there. Be very wise about what you receive out there. Um, and, and do your homework. Um, uh, make sure that you are being informed of the right things. And um, just be careful because it's, it's a powerful, mm-hmm. powerful weapon. Well, our time is wrapping up. I have just a couple more questions, Audra. Along with your six Tony Awards, two Grammys, and an Emmy, I understand you are also the recipient of a 2015 National Medal of Arts. What were your impressions of President Obama? Oh, you know, I just, I, uh, I have had known um, Mr. Obama. Um, uh, I'd met him a couple of years before he became mm-hmm. president, Um uh, he and his wife Michelle, and so I I thought they were wonderful people when I met them, and um, and uh, inspirational people. And I and I you know we uh, those of us that met them at that time just sort of knew that this was someone that was very special that that um, could make a big difference in the world. And um, he is who he is, you know, who he is who, that I've seen in in in, in private. Um, and then as, as a leader is, is all the same person. He, um, he, uh, they're, they're very, I think, noble, wonderful people who have, you know, deep-seated love for our country and a deep-seated love for humanity and people. And I, they seem to be fantastic parents and, um, very smart and I, I just, I adore them. And, um, they've always been very supportive of me and I've, I, 
did what I could over the years to, um, you know, whenever they would ask for help with something, you know, you know, whether it was to come to the White House to sing for an event, you know, they invited me to come and sing. Well, they they hosted all the governors of of the country one year, and they said, can you come and entertain them for us? And, you know, I was honored to do so. Um, Anyway, so I just, I love them. I think they're fantastic people. Your concert here in St. Louis on Sunday evening promises to be a showcase of American musical theater. What are a few of the highlights, and what do you enjoy most about this show? I enjoy there not being a fourth wall, maybe being able to uh, communicate directly with the audience. Um, I like for my concerts to feel like it's just a really intimate evening, you know, as if we were in someone's living room, you know. Um, So I want the audience to, you know, come away from the concert having a, a bit of a better understanding of who I am, not just, you know, what I sound like, <laughs> but who I am as a person and an artist. And um, and by the same token, I, I feel that an audience becomes very much a collective thing. You know, they, you know, a lot of, there's a, an old sort of theater quote that an audience checks their brain with their hat um, when they come into the door and they all become a kind of a collective heart, you know, and, and, and um, a collective consciousness. And so, um, it gives me a chance to sort of, sort of um, get to know um, a place, an area, you know, just by the the people that come in. And um, it's been, you know, because the country feels so very divided right now, it's been very good for me to go out and do these concerts because, you know, how we all can sort of perceive that being, you know, in our little homes, you know, throughout the country, seeing how divided things feel right now. Um, when I go into each city and there's, you know, just every, you know, color in the rainbow in my audience and every, you know, every type from conservatives to liberals to to everything in between, you know, black, brown, yellow, red, white, all of that, and they're in my audience. Um, it, it makes me feel better because I realize, you know, at the at the end of the day, we we all have so much more in common than um, we don't have in common. And um Everybody just wants to live in peace and, and harmony, and and, um, and I just try and, you know, reach out to the humanity in all of us and, um, and celebrate that. Well, Audra, thank you so much for joining St. Louis on the Air today, and I hope you enjoy your visit to St. Louis this weekend. Thank you. Very nice to speak with you. Just one someone happy. Make just one heart for heart. You see, to one smile that cheers you, one face that lights when it leaves you. That was Audra McDonald, the most decorated performer in American theater, talking with producer Evie Hemphill. McDonald will perform at the Two Hill here in St. Louis this Sunday evening. Tickets are available by calling 314-516-4949 or by going online at twohill.org. 
Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.